Lord God, thank you so much for the chance to be together as a church family. Lord, we just thank you that you have been taking us through our emotions, and we pray that you would just uh, process this with us, that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, that anything that's of you would stick to our hearts and change our lives, and that anything that's of me would just quickly fade away. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been doing a series called Feeling the Psalms, where we've kind of been talking about you know, why does God allow us to feel emotions? It's kind of a, a weird thing that we can be so in different places based on how we're feeling that day. And, you know, some emotions are really good, like joy and peace and happiness, but like some emotions like sadness and fear, like why does God allow these emotions to kind of be a part of our makeup? And we've been exploring this journey into our feelings by looking at the Psalms, which has been fun because the Psalms are a tour of the range of human emotions written from very raw places. And so like we kind of are really kind of feeling it with the psalmist as we kind of go through these Psalms and really understanding where these emotions come from and how do we deal with them and what are they for. Um, You know, this is a, we've been kind of quoting this, we've been using this phrase, but it actually comes from a deeper quote from Dallas Willard. Feelings are a primary blessing and a primary problem for human life. They live on the front row of our lives like unruly children clamoring for attention and are, with a few exceptions, good servants, but they are disastrous masters. And so we've been talking about what it means to kind of have feelings ordered and appropriately placed in our lives, but not necessarily dominating our lives or ruling our lives and how when things get out of order, what that starts to look like. And these are the emotions we've gone through so far. You know, we started off with talking about sadness, and then Mark did a great job really talking about joy and what that emotion is for. And if you missed last week, I mean, if you missed it, even go back and check it out. But last week, Beth really knocked out of the park talking about fear. And like, you know, why do we have fear? What does God do with fear? And what is is that meant for? And she really just did a powerful job of kind of helping us unpack the culture of fear and anxiety that we live in and how we're meant to live in the midst of that. And so really go back and check that out if you missed it. Um, And this morning, we're going to be talking about peace, which in some ways is like the you know, the parallel, the opposite or whatever, the paradox of fear, but it, it's a little bit deeper in a lot of ways than what it's kind of calling to. And it's funny that, you know, I'm speaking on peace this morning because I feel like this morning was like one of those frantic mornings where nothing's going right. And like, you know, I go to the store to kind of pick up communion stuff and they've rearranged the whole store and nobody knows where anything is. And so I'm like following this guy through the aisles. I'm like looking at my watch and he's like, yeah, I don't know where that matzah got to. And I'm like, can we figure it out? Like now? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, and then I come here and there's like just everything that I forgot to do or didn't get done. And, you know, you're just kind of frantic, frantic, frantic. And then I'm like sitting out there in worship. Like I'm supposed to be talking about peace this morning and my heart's like doing this. But it's amazing how like worship in that moment just kind of like brought me back to center, right? And kind of like kind of put me back in a place of being ready to kind of, and we're going to kind of talk about what, what that looks like. So what does peace look like? You know, this is my picture of peace. When I picture peace, I picture like a beach. I picture like not having to be anywhere, not having to do anything, like no obligations, no expectations, right? That's kind of like what peace looks like to me is just kind of like relaxing on a beach. But how do you just take a mentality like that? You can't just have like ocean noises playing in your head and just walk through your day like nothing's happening around you. Like how are we meant to live in peace? How do we connect kind of this idea? You know, I think our society views peace as either the absence of conflict just there is no conflict. That's what we kind of think peace is. If I'm at peace in life, then nobody's upset with me and I'm not upset with anybody else. That's peace, right? Or it's a lack of obstacles, right? Nothing goes wrong. That's what peace is. Peace is my day was smooth sailing. Everybody just gently let me into traffic and I never had to like, like lay on my horn or everybody was just really nice to me and there was no rude people and everything got done really quickly at Starbucks that morning so I was on time everywhere I went. That's like what we think peace is. It's all of our circumstances lining up to give us peace, right? 
But that's not necessarily what usually happens. Or no bad surprises or reason to fear. Peace is everything is just crystal clear set before me. I have no reason to be anxious. There's, I know exactly where I'm going to college and what my degree is. And I know who's hiring me after college. And I know where I'm going to live. And oh yeah, I'm going to marry that person. And it's all just kind of laid out before me. We think these are the conditions that lead to peace. Knowing what's ahead, not having anybody get in our way, <laughs> right? and, uh, and having no conflict. But nobody lives in this world like that, and I don't believe that that's the peace that God's talking about when he wants to give us peace. So what does peace look like actually? You know, and I think to, to talk about that, I think this is an incredible psalm that kind of lays out what peace might feel like. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I'm content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Like a, like a calm child lying in its mother's arms, not worrying about things that are out of its control. Like this seems like a kind of peace. But again, how do I get to that? Because that sounds nice. Like I want to just, I want to watch the Eagles like that this afternoon. But I know I'll be fraught with anxiety the entire game. Like how do I get to this place? This seems very disconnected from anything I experience on a daily basis. You know, why would God allow us to feel anything but those feelings? Like, that seems incredible. Yeah, that psalm, I want, to live, I want to be there, right? I want to be in that place, the way that psalmist is writing. So why does he allow us to feel any kind of disruption to that kind of peace? Well, I think we'll get, maybe get a little bit more insight when we kind of look at this next psalm in a second. What, you know, what kind of things rob us of peace? Stress definitely robs us of peace. Fear and anxiety can kind of really disrupt our peace. Conflict. Man, have you ever just been in an argument or in a disagreement with someone and you try to just go for a walk and all you do is replay the argument 80,000 times in your mind? There is no peace in that, is there? You're just in the midst of it, right? What else? Desire to achieve, like the striving, like, which is good, but it doesn't really lead to peace when you just feel like, if I just do a little bit more, if I just study a little bit harder, if I just work a little bit more for that promotion, that doesn't feel like peace to me. Jealousy is an incredible thief of peace in our lives. And even just the unknown, like what is happening tomorrow, this fear that kind of, or just the not knowing what's next can kind of steal peace from us. So how do we live with a mentality or a heart of peace in the midst of these things that are just a part of daily life? You know, if God truly wanted us to experience peace, why would, he, why would God build a world that seems so bent on stealing peace from us? Right? If he really wants us to experience peace, why do we live in this chaotic world that we live in? It robs peace from us day in and day out. Well, maybe the psalmist can kind of shed some light on this. It says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust him and he will do this. He will make your righteous rewards shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. All right, a few things I want to kind of unpack as we talk about this. Like, what does peace look like actually? Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Like, I think that's really interesting that it kind of starts with, like, peace does not mean people will cease to do evil around us. Peace does not mean that people will stop doing negative things around us. 
We have no control over the circumstances of which we'll walk, and negative things are going to come. To experience peace, something needs to happen in us. Because the world, he starts right from the beginning saying, it doesn't say the world's going to get better. It's going to be nice. It's going to be kind to you. He's saying, when these things happen, don't worry about it because there's something deeper that needs to happen in you. Look at, let's look at this from a lens of what we can control. What does the psalmist say that we can control? This is interesting. Trust in the Lord. It's interesting. Think about this. Are these very active verbs? Like, they're not like, you know, I like, when I'm like struggling with something, I want somebody to tell me to go do something. Like, go fix something. Go work on this. Buy this book. Read this thing. Do this thing. Think about how this is not exactly the most active things, yet they're very deeply soul-level things to do. Trust in the Lord and do good. Take delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. You can do all these things sitting on a couch, right? But none of them are easy to do. So what does peace look like? It means trusting. Notice how it's pointing towards a relationship. Why does God allow anxiety and things to rob us? Because he's a source of peace, and he wants to be here with us. Trust in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord, right? Take delight in the Lord. And when we start to do this in relation to the Lord, something starts to change in our very core, right? It starts to change in who we are. Let's go on. What are the things he tells us to do? Oh, let's go out there and be still before the Lord, right? It's almost like, ah, okay, I'm not good at that. Wait patiently for the Lord. Okay, this is like, this is hard because it's almost a level of just being still in a relationship. And in a relationship, like a weaned child resting in its mother's arms, it requires a relaxation and comfort because your parent will take care of things. And that does not come naturally to us, not even a little bit. What are the other things he tells us to do? Oh, go on, go on not fretting while you're at it, right? Don't fret. Remain, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Like, let those things go. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Like, it's, like think about this. All these actions we could take are not really actions. They're like attitudes and heart postures. They're not like a things that you go out there and just kind of like knock off your to-do list. Okay, I'm going to not fret. Done. I'm going to trust done. I'm going to commit my way. Okay. It's more of a recommit, recommit, heart posture. I'm in a relationship with God and I'm continually trying to do the things that set my heart in the right place to handle a chaotic world. So why does God allow a chaotic world? Because he wants this with us. He wants us to experience him as the source of peace in our life. He wants to be that parent that says, come and rest in my arms. I know it's chaotic out there, and I know there's things way too wonderful for you to understand, and I got it. I've got it. Trust in me. Relax in me. Rest in me. You know, trust in the Lord. Take delight in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Be still before the Lord. This is what the verses say. Wait patiently. Do not fret. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. If you were able to like have this as like the attitude of your heart, you would experience peace. You would experience immense peace. It would be like having ocean noises in your headphones while the world just honks and yells around you because you can rest in that. But that's difficult, isn't it? That is not an easy thing to just achieve. You know, it's almost painfully inactive. Like, it's, it's so hard for me as a doer. Give me something to do. 
Think of the way we talk about peace, like, like how we talk about peace like in conflict. We're going to achieve peace, like, you know, over there. It's like, it's so funny, as if what is missing is just the right compromise. And the reality is what's missing is it fails to acknowledge that peace is impossible if our hearts are not ready to hold peace. If we are not ready to be at peace, if we are not ready to cultivate that environment, we are going to be unable to attain peace because it's really creating the fertile soil for which peace can thrive. That's the only way to kind of get to a place of peace. You know, we find ourselves, you know, what it looks like when peace is out of order in our lives is that we find ourselves restless at a soul level. Like if peace is out of order, if we don't, if we aren't experiencing this, and maybe you've felt this, where like just nothing kind of puts you at ease. You can sit down to watch a movie and you just can't relax. You're agitated. You're, you know, you're trying to do something that you really enjoy and your mind keeps going to the conflict. Like forced peace is just a fake external act. I think like uh, it, that's true when you're in a relational peace where you just kind of call truce, but you're really both kind of like, there's no truce. Like, I'm just reloading my arguments for the next time. Like, yeah, we're going to not argue for the next hour, but I'm just kind of getting it ready. But this is true when we kind of try to force peace from an external standpoint, too. When we try to just force ourselves to be peaceful. Have you ever done this in, like, a quiet time where, like, you're really in a chaotic time, and you're like, I'm just going to be still and read? Now, I don't know about you. I can't even get, like, I get to the end of the page. I'm like, I retained nothing. I read nothing. I was thinking about something else the entire time I was looking at this. I am not able to force peace in my life. I just can't do it, right? You can't like cram it in from the outside. Inner turmoil is kind of what happens when this is out of order in our lives. So how do we experience peace in the midst of this? Dallas Willard, again, Mark used this quote the other day. I'm going to use it again. And so practically speaking, the renovation of the heart and the dimension of feeling is a matter of opening ourselves to and carefully cultivating love, joy, and peace. First, by receiving them from God and from those already living in them. And then as we grow, extending love, joy, and peace to others and everything around us in attitude, prayer, and action. So it's got to well up from inside in this relationship with God. It's got to be given. It's got to be a gift given from one who actually has peace. And that is no one else maybe sitting in this room. We got to start going to God, the one who actually holds peace. You know, it's interesting. Is God, does God experience peace? It's kind of, it's a question I was kind of wondering. Well, there's no one known to God, right? So like the fear of the future, he doesn't have that because he knows exactly where the future is laid out. You know, God is never rushed or worried about timing. You know, it, we, we really worry about God missing the boat. Like, God, I think you forgot to do that thing that we talked about. Remember we were going to do that yesterday? We, we agreed. I, I, I kind of said it, and I thought you, you didn't say anything, so I figured we were good. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, like, I feel like that's kind of, you know. But God has his own timetable for how he works on things, doesn't he? And he's never in a rush. And it's amazing that even in a human form, Jesus, though, kind of like, like lined by needs and people all around him. He never he seemed purposeful in everything he did. It seemed like he arrived wherever he wanted on time. Even if the person had already died, he was on time because he would just raise them to life. Like there was no timetable that bound him. And in the midst of urgent situations always pressing on him, he would stop and listen and talk to people. He's never in a rush. Time bends to him. And he sets time. Obstacles and conflicts don't change God's character or God's approach to how he does things. God is embodiment of peace, and he brings peace wherever he goes. External circumstances do not affect our God and his ability to be peace in this world. That needs to be our source. If we want to be people who experience peace, we need to start by going to the one who embodies peace in everything that he does. So how do we experience this peace that God offers, that God is part of? Well, peace is first and foremost a relational thing. 
It's a relational thing. We put ourselves in a relationship with the one who is the embodiment of peace. And in that relationship, we start to kind of experience peace just the way you experience any kind of quality of someone that you are intimately in relationship with. If someone is really, really funny and you are good friends with them, you are going to laugh. Like you can't fight it, right? It's just kind of like it, it, it fills the space and it kind of consumes it. And you find yourself being a more joyous person when someone brings humor into a situation. Well, with God, he just fills a space with peace. And if you are in that space with God, it kind of chases out fear. It chases out anxiety. It chases out the need to finish and strive and the need to do whatever it is or the fear of the unknown because his peace fills that space. And we experience him deeply. It's a relational quality. You know, it says, this is what the psalmist says. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. He is a source of peace. He is a place of security. He is a haven that we can go to and be at rest, a fortress, a rock, a place that is meant for us to just be at peace in. And in that relationship, peace can flourish because he is a great protector. More than that, peace is a gift that is given by God. We, we have this exchange that goes on in a relationship. And most of the time, we kind of worry about, am I being a burden on someone because I'm bringing my junk and they're just going to take that junk on. And, you know, and that's really a misnomer that we need to get over anyways because we all carry burdens together. But with God, it's this free pass to just exchange our junk for his peace because he can handle all of that. And he's not burdened by all of that because his peace just overcomes anything that we bring to the table. And in this relationship, we come in bringing our stress and our chaos and the mistakes that we made and the, all the things that we're feeling on our head. And we come in face to face with this person who says, hey, quiet down, sit down, sit down, just relax for a second. Let me take that from you. And if we learn how to really be in relationship with God and how to commune with him, we get to exchange these feelings, these heavy things that we carry for a peace. I felt that in just, just a little bit and just the way we were going this morning. I'm frantic. I'm, I'm stressed. I feel like the sermons, I didn't have a chance to go over it mentally again. I was doing all these things. I'm setting up communities. It's going to be done in time. And I get into worship and I realize God is the God of peace who says, like, let it go. It's, I mean, I'm filling this place. Do you really think you can mess this up? I'm filling this place. Look at people to your left and to your right. They're experiencing me. What are you going to bring to the table that matters in the end of it, right? You just bring what you want. It's going to be enjoyed. But it's not needed. I got it. It's what gives us peace. We exchange it. And it's more caught than taught, right? We can't necessarily teach you how to be peaceful. You experience God and you kind of catch peace because he's contagious in the best of ways. Right? So when we experience God, we kind of catch his peace and it fills our lives. And then as we start to become people who are at peace with ourselves and at peace with the world around us, we start to just exude peace. Wherever we go, we become people who breathe peace into difficult situations. We become the people that when chaos is going on at the workplace and you enter the room, they go, oh, good, so-and-so's here. I always feel better when you're in this with me because we are carriers of peace. We carry the qualities of our Father into these situations. You know, I had this thought when I was reading Psalm 18 recently that it seems like David is, like, obsessed with his feet. And hang with me for a second, because, like, he's writing about his feet, but to, hold on. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, right? And my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. Okay, not, not yet, but hold on, right? Like, 
Still, a rock is like firm footing, fortress is secure, right? Stay with me here. He sent from on high, he took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me. They were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He was a support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. So he brings me out of water and chaos and being buffeted to put me in a broad, steady place. He took me out of something that was too much for me, and he girded me as my support. He stood with me and gave me firm ground. And then he goes on to say this, same, same psalm. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. In the midst of a dark path, which before electricity was one of the scariest things in the world, to walk in darkness, he brightens the path and sets the path for his feet, Right? Before, by you, I can run against a troop, and by my God, I can leap over a wall. That sounds awesome. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. You gave me a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. What is all this kind of like getting to? Well, like... I was just thinking about this. Like, one of the things, and as someone who's fallen down, like, a mountain at one point, like, one of the most secure feelings is just knowing that you have steady footing. Like, for David, he just wants to know that he can walk in confidence in the Lord. Look how this passage ends. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. When God is, like, your rock, I mean, think about this. To experience God deeply is like having firm footing in life, in all of life. It's being able to walk in confidence to know that my path will be enlightened for me. I will have a broad path. If life gets chaotic, he'll give me feet like a deer to handle the ups and the downs of life. But he gives me firm footing so that I can walk through my life in confidence. And if anything disrupts your peace, it's fear and the thinking that you might fall or that you might not have what it takes or that you might not be able to make it. But David's saying, I know what steps I can take because he pulls me out, gives me sure footing, and he broadens my path for me. He lights the way. He has made it easy to walk through this life. And if you look at David's life, it does not seem easy to have walked in his shoes. But he's saying, my feet are secure because of who I'm with. My feet are sure because I know who's walking before me. I know the steps to take. I know where to go. And if that doesn't mean peace in life, I feel like peace in life means I can walk in confidence knowing that I'm not going to stumble and fall because God won't let me. He's not going to let me. And when I do, he'll pick me back up and set me on firm footing. How many of us walk securely in life? Is that how you say you would go out of your day? Just saying, I feel good about where I'm going today and I know it's going to be fine. Or do you kind of walk out there saying, I don't know about today. I don't know about these things that I'm dealing with. And then you're frazzled by the traffic and by the things that happen. By the time you get to your your job, you're just kind of exuding something totally different than a person who walks securely in the path that God set before him. You know, cultivating peace looks like developing an intimacy with the God of peace. That's where it starts. Turn from anger, jealousy, fear, et cetera. Those are the things that we take into the relationship and we exchange. You can't just make yourself stop feeling jealous or stop feeling fearful, but you take that to God and you sit in this beautiful relationship that we have with God and you're just honest to say, this is where I'm at today. I'm fearful. I'm jealous. Why did that person get that promotion? I work twice as hard as them. You know what? God, it's yours. I don't understand it, but I know that you hold the future and I know that you have a secure path set for me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this to you. And maybe I'm even going to stay in this seat until I feel like I've actually let go of it. Because being still is a quality of peace, and I know that you will battle for me. 
Learn what it means to wait on the Lord. Man, we are so bad at this. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Again, it's this relationship. It means letting him kind of take things and knowing that he will hold things for us. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Here's one challenge I would say that I would take from here. I'm not giving you a lot of things to do. I'm mostly giving you a lot to be still with because that's the challenge. That's the challenge in my life. I wish I had a to-do list. But here's one thing. One thing that will rob you of peace is relational conflict that you just leave unresolved. Be at peace. Be at peace with God. Deal with your emotions before God. And if you feel that you have conflict with someone else, go and set things right. As far as it depends on you, release what you can. Because nothing steals peace like unresolved conflict. Some of you are probably like trying to put out of your mind right now an argument that you had and that you wish you had that said that last thing too, right? Oh, I wish I had said that thing. That would have been a real zinger. It really solves everything when we get a zinger, right? But man, nothing robs our peace like relational chaos and conflict. Be people of peace in whatever you walk to. The more that you resolve things, the more that you come to peace with people, the more you will feel it's easy to breathe. It's easy to breathe when we are kind of like in right with God, at peace with what he does, and we're right with people side by side with us. I'm gonna ask a few questions, and then we're gonna have the worship team come out because we're gonna kind of do communion this morning. Where do you need to let go of striving and learn to wait on the Lord? This is hard for me. Now, I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying don't do like your best in everything that you do. But here's the thing. I think we work, a lot of our effort is to prove to ourselves that we're good enough or to prove to somebody else that we're good enough. Here's my question in this. Where do you know that you've done your best and it's okay to just let, let the chips fall where they lie and just to be okay with that? Like, I think that happens a lot in life that we're just, what are we trying to prove? What are we trying to prove all the time? Someone who's at peace with the Lord is able to just wait on the Lord. We do what we can, and we wait to see how God uses it. I want to be that type of person. Where do you need to let go of striving and learn to wait on the Lord? What things are you holding on to that you need to exchange for peace? Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it just, you know, like, stress? You you feel the burden of just kind of getting it all done? Where are you sitting here this morning where you're saying, I feel that, like it's sitting on my shoulders right now. You know, one of the things I, I, I'm, I hate most about like the winter, because I'm such a summer guy, is I just love like the freedom of like a t-shirt. And like when I put like a heavy thing on me, I just feel like weighed down. Like I, I hate having to wear a coat. I feel like I can't breathe. I put a coat on, I'm like, ah, this is just terrible. The air's thick. I just can't breathe. Like, I mean, like where do you feel that you're doing that emotionally? Like I'm wearing these things. You're wearing your stress. You're wearing, maybe I'm just really out of shape. <laughs> if I can't wear a coat and breathe comfortably, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but you know, like where are you putting things on that are just choking you? And you know, you know you need to put that off. You know you need to take that off and you need to exchange that for, to God. What are those things that you're carrying? Finally, is there a relationship that you need to seek reconciliation in? And again, there's some people that just aren't ready to have that conversation with you. As far as it depends on you, where are you holding grudges? Where are you holding anger? Where are things that you need to be willing to say, look, for my own health, I need to get this thing right. And it starts with God, like, asking for forgiveness for what we've done, and then we, out of that place of peace, saying, look, here's what I can own, and here's what I need to set right with you. Guys, I want us to be a people of peace. I don't want to be, I don't want, I don't know, I personally don't want to be living frantically in life, always trying to prove, always trying to achieve, always trying to, like, wearing the stress of the day on me. 
I want to be a person who can sit down at the end of the day and exchange what I'm carrying for God's peace and to just be a light to my family, to my friends, to the people that I want to be a bearer of peace wherever I go. And I think my guess is you want to be that too. We don't want to be that person who comes in the room and everybody tenses up and starts to feel stressed out because they're ready to get like attacked or we're going to jump down the throat. We're always on edge. We want to be people who breathe peace into every situation that we go in. And that only starts with an inner cultivation. You know, this morning we're going we're gonna to do communion. And guys, there is no greater exchange in life than what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. He took our sin and he took it upon himself and he gave us new life, eternal life, freedom. I mean, it's the most incredible exchange in history. And the more that we reflect on that and sit with that, the more it should shape who we are in the inner parts of our being. And so this, this morning, we're just gonna have a chance to come to the table. And we invite anybody who's a believer, anybody who says that Jesus Christ, I've given my life to Jesus Christ, you're welcome to come and take the bread and take the juice. And we're gonna kind of sit with this and allow just God to speak to our hearts in just a moment of silence. And we're gonna, the worship team is gonna be playing. We're gonna have a chance to exchange this. Here's the passage of, of Jesus in the last, uh, the last Supper with his disciples. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. It's a beautiful picture of intimacy, isn't it? Jesus is in relationship with his disciples. Come and have a meal with me. Here's a guy about to go to his death saying, let's just sit down for a minute and have a meal together because I'm about to give my life to cover over your sins. I'm about to give my life for yours. But do this in remembrance of me. Come to me. Sit with me. Have a meal with me. Do this regularly. Do this re- Exchange what you're carrying for what I offer. They had been with him for three years. They had seen the peace that he brought into all the chaos in his lives. And he's saying, don't stop doing this when I'm not here in the flesh anymore. Be with me. Experience from me. Drink from me. Take what I offer and make it your own. Put it in the core of who you are. So we're gonna experience that this morning. I'm gonna leave these passages up while we kind of have a time of communion. Um, these are just things that you, maybe you can meditate on. You can listen to the words of the song. You can just have a conversation with God. But in a second, let's have the two greeters come up, Tracy and Christina. They're gonna be our ushers. They're gonna kind of dismiss you. You can go to the tables. If you're in the overflow room, there's, there's a juice and crackers right there at, um, on the table. But in a second, they'll dismiss you. And that's just to kind of keep everything moving slowly. But bring the, bring the bread and bring the juice back to your seat and just sit and be still and be in, in conversation with God. And we're gonna all take it together in in a couple minutes, all right? Let me pray as we uh, come into this time of communion. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much that you died on the cross for us, Lord, that you exchange our sin, our death, all the brokenness that we carry in this world for, for just life, Lord. You gave us life in the midst of all of it. And Lord, thank you that this exchange you invite us to daily. Lord, I want to experience you in the core of who I am, and I want this for all of us that we would experience your peace, that we would know that our feet are sure, that we can walk in confidence because of who you are and because of what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that you would meet us in this place during this time and that we would just learn how to communion with you in a deep and powerful way. In Jesus' name.